Hi, everybody, and welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby, and this is episode 40 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, head over to rvmiles.com slash podcast. You can also find RV Miles on social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to keep up with Jason and I and Jack, Ethan, and Henry as we cruise around the country, we are over at ourwanderingfamily.com, and we are also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and YouTube. On this episode, Zion National Park. It's the Zion episode. It's time for a big one. Yeah. And this was a big one. We spent a really great week in the park and we just left a few days ago and we have all kinds of stuff to share with you about what we did, but also about the best ways to explore Zion, whether you're in an RV or any other type of traveling accommodations like the little <laughs> vans that people have rented and are camping in that lots was... of rental vans yeah we can also talk your ear off about the bee loop and all the different spots in the bee loop yeah. because we i think we in them all <laughs> <laughs> in order for us to stay at zion because as i'm sure many of you know at this point we don't really plan ahead we had to sight hop every day except one day yeah we had, we had one string of two days in a row. Yeah. So I think we did five or six different sites while we were at Zion. And only the bee loop, which still amazes me considering how many loops there are that we never left the bee loop. Yeah. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Before we do, we're coming to you this week from Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. We're actually up in the Spring Mountains National Recreation Area. Yeah, we're about outside five, of Vegas. We're about 5,000 feet above Vegas at this point. It is. It's very hot in Vegas right now. Unseasonably hot. And it's 25 degrees cooler <laughs> up here, which is great. We don't come down out of the mountain very often. <laughs> we did. We spent we we took a drive through down the strip and uh, traumatized Ethan. And that was enough. <laughs> yeah. So we're back up in the mountains. <laughs> yeah. So we're back up in the mountains. I don't think, at least for our family, that Vegas is our kind of destination or any family. <laughs> or, well, to each their own, Jason. I feel like I say that every week, but. I think you and I would have a really good time on the strip. We can stay at the Bellagio. Like, I'm just going to throw that out. <laughs> Go see the Celine Dion show over at Caesars. <laughs> but the kids, they loved the lights. But there were a lot of places I didn't want them to look. I was, divert your eyes, yeah. children. <laughs> it's not so much the strip itself. It's the ads on the taxi cabs and other vehicles driving down the strip. Yeah. My hope is that someday those kinds of ads become obsolete. But all kidding aside, there probably are a ton of family fun things to do. There are. Uh, we've Absolutely. seen many of them. We're not going to get to do anything while no. we're here. <laughs> we're going to uh, stay up in the mountain. <laughs> we're staying up in the mountain. And it's a lot of fun and a lot of peace and quiet. It in, is. This is a here. really wonderful campground. And the spot that we're at, we're at Fletcher View Campground in Spring Mountain National Recreation Area. This spot that we have is in my top five spots, campsites that we've been in so far on the road. Yeah. It is just perfect for our family. There's also uh, there's also a lot of free boondocking spots up here. Yeah, we figured that out really quick. We almost availed ourselves to because we arrived here a day early 
we knew we didn't have a reservation. We thought, okay, maybe we would get one of the first come first serve sites. And then we thought as a last resort, we could boondock at one of these other sites. But uh, we, <laughs> this is, I feel like this is just newbie on the road 101. I can't believe that after 18 months of full time traveling, A, we thought we could arrive at a campground near Las Vegas that has 10 sites on a Saturday and actually get one of them. And two, that we didn't really do our research on what the dispersed camping was here. And if we want to call those roads into the dispersed camping, we can have that conversation. But those were not yeah, roads. We were not going to be taking a no a 14 ton no, bus. We were not down them because we weren't going to be coming back out. And then we had the issue where we had been told by another camp host higher up in the mountain because, you know, 7,000 feet wasn't high enough for us to go. So we had to climb up another thousand feet to try and find somewhere to sleep for the night. Because the last thing we wanted to do was drive back down 5,000 feet back down the mountain to stay at a Walmart because it was a very epic drive for Wanderbus to get up into this mountain. It <laughs> is not an easy drive. So we were really trying hard to avoid that. Ran into a campground host higher up in the mountain who kind of pointed us to, oh, you can sleep at the pull-offs. So we tried a pull-off. I had a massive panic attack. And I'm not joking. I started crying on the side of the road and envisioning the brakes letting go as we were all sleeping and rolling down the well, side of the, the mountain. The deal is these pull-offs, this is a mountain road, and these, and these pull-offs are kind of like scenic overlooks with no guardrails or anything like that. And none of them are flat. No, so they, I couldn't do it. So we'd be on quite the incline and trying to sleep on an incline, knowing that if for some reason the bus rolled, it wouldn't have. But just trying to sleep, knowing that. I wouldn't have been there's sleeping. There's a giant thousand foot yeah. drop off right behind you. It just wasn't happening. But thankfully, the higher up in the mountain camp host Offered to let us stay in the parking lot. Yeah, because that the, campground was DL. full as well. Yeah, not gonna. I'm not gonna throw out what campground this was because we were doing all this on the DL, and he was really kind of like our savior, our shining knight for that evening because he let us come in there. We were able to stay. It was in a campground. It felt safer to me. It was level. I wasn't worried that my family was gonna pitch off the side of a mountain, and we spent a night. High up, very cold. There was snow on the mountains above us. It was cold that night, but we were very grateful to this man. He really did offer us some peace of mind that I was I was struggling so hard to find. I will say that Saturday night was one of the harder nights I've had ever on the road. It was hard for me to find peace with the situation we were in, even knowing we could go down to the Walmart. Just the idea of having to drive all the way down there and then all the way back up. I was so overwhelmed. Of course, we could have just paid for the double site here at this campground that was I, available. I think that was booked, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, maybe it was. No, she said everything yeah. was taken. There was nothing. We had an interesting adventure. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> and we're very thankful to be in a spot, plugged in, not going anywhere for the next few days. All right. We have a couple of news items to hit before we get into our big Zion episode so let's talk about those first. First of all, this is National Park Week. 
and we've been talking about it coming up for a while. The and most it's, wonderful it's time of the year. It's here. We uh, we thought we would be exploring some national park sites this week, but you know what? We're not. The so, irony is not lost on me. But. but we did release our National Parks podcast episode this week, which is a great story about Theodore Roosevelt and John Muir on a camping trip in Yosemite. The ultimate camping trip. If you're a national park enthusiast, I would say Roosevelt essentially ditched his secret service to go camping with Muir. And it really changed the face of conservation in this country for the next century. And it returned parts of Yosemite back to Yosemite National Park as well. Yeah, because it returns the valley. It, it, Yosemite was originally federally managed and then it went back to state management and that was a disaster. And uh, and Roosevelt put it back along with creating many national parks, monuments. He went wild, he went wild after, after that, that camping, camping trip. trip. <laughs> he went wild. So we thought this would be a great topic for National Park Week. So that is out now. Definitely go check it out. It was a story that I think was the most enjoyable one I've read so far because the language that these men used is so different than the language that we read and write with today. So what we did was we used their words. We used their descriptions of John, John Muir's description of Yosemite and Roosevelt's description of Muir and the camping trip. And then the account of a civilian ranger who was one of the couple people that were along for this trip. He was kind of the cook. And uh, I was just really fun to put together. It's a great episode. So definitely check it out. What else do we have on the news docket? I think we have another National Park piece of news, right? We do. There's a story out of the National Park Service this week. They've put together their annual impact study, and they found that the National Park's add $36 billion to the U.S. economy and over 30,000 jobs. And that's up a billion dollars from a year ago. The parks are really trendy right now. It's a great time to be the National Park Service in some ways. Don't get me wrong. It's also not a great time to be the National Park Service. It's a great time to be one of the businesses around the national parks right now. 7.7% increase in visitors from... 2015 to 2017. So the parks are busy, obviously, but they are providing a positive economic impact. And I think that's something really important for people to think about, for politicians to think about when they're considering the funding for the national parks. Because, you know, we're out here in Zion and we're seeing tons of foreign tourists. Oh, yeah. I couldn't believe for this time of year how many foreign tourists were in the park. In some cases, it felt like there were more foreign tourists on the shuttle bus with us than not. And this is April. I don't want to be anywhere near Zion come June, July, August at all. And I think it's great that that foreigners are coming to visit our our wonderful natural resources. But uh, I think it's important for the government to take into consideration that the national parks are a boon for the economy. They sell. National parks sell right now. All right. That's our news for the week. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll have our brain teaser answer from last week. And then we'll get into some of the cool things that you can do at Zion National Park. Be right back.
All right, we are back with the answer to last week's brain teaser, and it went like this. Every day, a cyclist crosses the border between Mexico and the United States carrying a bag. No matter how much customs officials investigate him, they don't know what he's smuggling. They know he's smuggling something, but what is it? It has two wheels, and he rides in into Mexico and out of Mexico every day. It's a bicycle. It's a bicycle. He's, smu- he's smuggling bicycles. You'd think they'd catch on. Maybe it's the same brand of bicycle every time, but you'd think they'd catch on if it was like a different colored bicycle every yeah. day. Yeah, I mean, it would have to, because he'd have to. But either he's, is he walking hey, back? I don't yeah, know. who knows? Who knows? We could debate this all day long. It's like <laughs> lipstick gate all over again. <laughs> Our winner this week is Chris Jackson from California. We'll get a Not All Who Wander Our Lost t-shirt. We're headed your way too, Chris. We're yeah. headed to California. We're almost there. We're almost there. I'm so excited. Okay, let's talk Zion National Park. Let's, because I feel like it has been, it's been a minute since we have been to, I guess, for lack of a better word, a major yeah. national park. A pop, You know what? I think what's a better word is a popular, busy, a busy yeah. national yeah. park. And I didn't really know what to expect with Zion. And I think we talked about this a little bit last week where... Or maybe we didn't. I wasn't totally sold on us going here. I didn't like the idea that we were going to be sight hopping and I felt a little exhausted. Oh, come on. That's not what it was about. (laughs) You read about the tent caterpillars. You read that there were these caterpillars that were infesting the campground that were going to be all over everything. Well played, sir. Yes. (laughs) That was a major concern. And they and, existed, but they were not a problem. Okay. Can I say that I read about it on Zion's it was, website? It was on their website. It wasn't like I was in some third party conspiracy theory, why nature is awful type website. Zion said, April and May, the caterpillars are awful. They fall out of the trees, wear hats. And all I could think of was that we would be going to this beautiful park, walking around, while it rains caterpillars on me and the children. Well, and particularly, this is at the campground, the Watchman campground that we stayed at. And uh, they do get bad, but but this year was not a bad year for them, apparently. I So we saw a few, but no big deal. I saw them the first day we arrived. It was like thousands of them came out to greet me as we were pulling in. And then I, I didn't see them again. Yeah. So anyway, thanks, Jason. Yeah. Caterpillars moving on. (laughs) But we're so glad we went. Uh, It it was really just us figuring out a way to get to California. And we thought we have to go somewhere cool on our way. So we went to Zion. We did. And even though I was afraid of the caterpillars and I wasn't crazy about sight hopping, sight hopping is really exhausting. It is. It gets to be a little old after like the second time you do it. In the course of a stay. And we'll talk about the campgrounds in the next segment a little bit. And, yeah. And how that all works. But. For sure. But I will say, I wouldn't have changed another thing if it had been the difference between going to Zion or not going to Zion. Caterpillars and all, I absolutely would go. And I think that part of that is because this is a great time of year to go. It is busy in the park. Know this now that by, this is April, and by 1030 in the morning, There was no parking to be had, not just in the visitor center parking lot, which is a very generous parking lot, but along the roads 
up in the Human History Museum and people were parking in town yeah. in Springdale. And that's that's how that's kind of how it goes most of the year. And we'll talk again in the next segment about the details and how to how to handle that. But Zion, I, I guess to give a description of the place, it's it's a giant canyon. The main area mm-hmm. is Zion Canyon. It's the canyon carved by the Virgin River and it is these towering straight up rock walls uh, on either side of you all the way up this canyon. They're twice the height of the Empire State Building. It's it's really impressive and beautiful. And unlike a lot of national parks with a canyon with a river through the middle of it, there's a road that goes all the way up the center of the canyon up until the area called the Narrows all the way in the back, which is a very famous area where the canyon gets very narrow with these big steep walls. And you can hike up it in wearing wet gear because you're walking up a river, essentially. The whole trail is in the water. Yeah. There is no not in the water on this trail. Yeah. And it can get as high as chest level, depending on where the water is. And while we were there, it was like 46 degrees. Well, I don't think it ever gets any warmer than that. It get, the, the water gets warmer and the air gets warmer, but it still stays pretty cool in that canyon because not yeah. a lot of sunlight gets in there. Yeah, it's not a it's not a swim. Yeah, you it's not it, it's a to to do this hike and we didn't do it. You you go rent this weird wet gear from from these, suit the, from these outfitters right outside the park. So the thing about Zion to the, this main canyon is, is sort of the main area. There are two campgrounds there and then there are other areas as well that you could go. But they're they're a long drive away from this area where the visitor center at the Zion Canyon is. And you get on a shuttle bus and you go up this road up up the canyon and there are several stops along the way. There are nine stops. And one is the the first stop is the visitor center where you get on and where the campgrounds are. And then the second stop is the human history museum that Abby mentioned a minute ago. That is the sort of, it used to be the visitor center. It's where you go watch the park film and there's some little exhibits there. And you can also go up there for ranger led yeah. programs. And there's a spectacular view of the three cathedrals, the beehive, just a really nice visual introduction to the park. So you, then you just sort of go from stop to stop and find all the different trails and different things to do. And just like many other national parks, there are short trails that lead to cool little features and there are long trails that take you way out of the way to see some really glorious scenery and some that get a little bit dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Angel's Landing is is sort of the famous hike in Zion National Park. And it is the one where you you go up these switchbacks. There's 21, I think, called Walter's Wiggles. And- I love that name so <laughs> much. Hey, what did you do today? Well, I went up Walter's Wiggles and summited Angel's Landing and then came back down Walter's Wiggles. How about you? What did you do today? After you get up the Wiggles, you go across a a ledge that's maybe uh six feet wide and sheer drop off on either side there's a chain to hold on up the middle and you're going out to this big sort of freestanding mountain peninsula thing 
that overlooks just the whole canyon and and i imagine it's gorgeous but there ain't no way i'm ever going up there <laughs> i think you can tell by the difference in our voices jason isn't having it and i absolutely wanted to do it but nobody would go with me and there was no way i was taking those kids up angels landing like it was not happening but that's one of those things someday i'll go back and i'll do it so we took we took leisurely strolls along some of the smaller trails we went on the grotto trail which goes from the lodge the lodge is sort of halfway up this road by the way the grotto trail goes from the lodge to the grotto picnic area it's a half mile it's a half mile short trail really it's just a path yeah there's not much to see on this trail but lucky for us there were a half a dozen mule deer just hanging out on the trail. There are mule deer all over this park. They will come into your campsites. Uh, they are not concerned <laughs> about you at all. You might want to be a little concerned about them and keep your distance. I think that's just a general sure. rule. Keep your distance. They are not concerned about you. And neither are the rock squirrels. No. The rock squirrels. Oh, the, will... squirrels, the squirrels want food. They're there. They know you've got it. And they will do anything to get it. They will jump in your face and get it. It's so, terrifying. But you will you will definitely see mule deer when you're there. You will definitely see wild turkeys. There's a ton of wild turkeys all over the place in, in the park. And other animals, of course, as well. But we really enjoyed seeing the mule deer all by ourselves on this grotto trail, not feet from, I mean, 10 feet max from us. And I would say that this is a good trail for that to happen should you be in Zion and yeah. want to do something where you might encounter the mule deer because we went our first day as a family and walked this short path on our last day the kids and I were finishing up their junior ranger which was a scavenger hunt at each stop we decided to walk again from the lodge to the grotto and lo and behold there were eight mule deer just hanging out and doing their thing and we got to enjoy that all over again. So that seems to be a trail where they frequent and that will give you an opportunity to see them. Across from that trail, we took the trail up to the lower Emerald Pools and the Emerald Pools are little ponds fed by small waterfalls up in the mountains. And they're a main source of water for a lot of the wildlife in the area. The pools themselves aren't incredibly special it's night the little waterfalls are are pretty but really what we really loved was the views from the cayenta trail which which fed off of this trail to the lower emerald pools yeah so we decided the emerald pools have three levels you can do lower middle and upper and we had decided we were going to do all three and we had gone to Lower Emerald Pool and we were traveling up to Middle and we saw, and it was very busy. I will say this right now. One of the more difficult things, if you're a hiker who really likes to be out on a trail and it's quiet and you're wanting to enjoy nature, then you need to get off this main strip when you're in Zion and you need to find places where not everyone is going to go because this shuttle and all of these trails that come off the shuttle it's just busy all the time. And Lower Emerald Pools was busy. There were a lot of people on the trail, both going there and coming back. And so as we were moving up to the middle, we happened to notice that there was a path that led off. And I had remembered seeing on the map, I thought that this was the Cayenta Trail and that it was going to take us back to the grotto. Mm -hmm. 
So we decided to do this. And I'm so glad that we did. We almost didn't because we had read that it was it was moderate with some big drop offs. Yes. Uh, The drop offs weren't bad at all. Nothing for us to get really scared with the kids about. Well, speak for yourself. (laughs) Well, except in a couple little spots where we were extra cautious, but it, it was nothing really nerve wracking. No. And it was very quiet. And I appreciated that because one thing I noticed with our children that when we're on a trail that's busy and there's a lot of people, they tend to be a little bit more all over the place. Yeah. A little bit harder to get them to focus in and settle in and really take in the trail. When we got onto that Cayenta Trail and things really quieted down and it became about nature and the sounds of nature, that was my most enjoyable hike with them yeah. because they really were listening and observing And we were all just together, the five of us. And we did pass people. There were people on the trail, but nothing like any other trail we had done while we'd been there. A good example being the river walk trail that we did. That was my least enjoyable hike by far. This this is what gets you to the Narrows. This is at stop nine on the shuttle at the very end. This gets you to the Narrows. And a lot of people are hiking this trail because they want to see the narrows and then just turn around and head back. The problem is you really can't see the narrows at the end of this trail. No, or a lot of people are hiking it to get to the narrows right. so that they can start that five mile hike. So you get you get to the back of this trail and what you can do is go into the water and walk up around the bend. Jack and I tried to do that. It was way too cold in the water. And, and there are lots of places where you can walk in the water. Just this time of year, the water was way too cold. In the middle of the summer, you could probably walk up the the quarter mile around the bend and see the narrows and walk back in the water if you're wearing Keens or other sort of water shoes and not have to go rent all the gear and stuff. Um, but obviously, if you want to hike the whole trail, yeah, you would need that. But th- this trail was just packed with people. It was. And it, it's paved, which is nice, but mm-hmm. it, it was a pain. So what we did a lot of the time was got off the trail People have sort of made their own secondary trail that goes right up along the riverbank that's dirt. And that was a little bit more enjoyable. I'm not sure if that's been people made. Like, well, it it, I think a it was too well cared for to just be I, have been made by my guess was it was originally people made and, and the National Park Service just decided, all right, this is a real trail now. And they put signs on it and all yeah. that. So, so it's not like we're we're off trail, really. Yeah. And. When we were able to take those turns off where it said river access, go down to the river and then pick up the trail that would go along the river, that was much more enjoyable because what we found with this river walk, and it's about a mile, 1.3 miles to the end of it, and then you got to turn around and come back. What we found was that no one wanted to move at kid pace on this trail. Mm -mm. And so a lot of times we ended up having to stop, pull off and let people walk by. And we're happy to do that. But that really, really hampered our time. It took us much longer to do this trail than I think it would have if we were able to have just kept moving at a steady pace. But because we had people with small feet kind of being, you know, like when you're driving and you have someone up behind you who wants you to go faster and it just kind of starts to stress you out a little bit. So you get over so they'll go by that's how that trail was for me all the way there and all the way back 
It's a great trail because of the fact that it is paved. It's an incredibly popular trail. I imagine in the summer that if we think it's packed now, it's just probably person to person solid. Yeah. So I, that's the most popular trail in the park is what the map says. It was my least favorite. I would say you could skip it. Even if nobody was on it, it, there was nothing special that we saw on it that you couldn't see on any of the other trails that follow the river. No. And what's interesting, too, is there is actually a river trail that starts up there at stop nine and goes and all the way down. And you can pick it up on different trails yeah, you throughout can follow the, park. the river almost everywhere. Yeah. There's a really specific one, the, the Parus trail, which we took that goes from the main visitor center uh, and the campground area up to the Canyon junction, the Canyon junction. And that's the third stop. Yeah. I did that actually as a run. That was something that I jumped on the shuttle, went up to the third stop Canyon junction and then did the Pyrus trail back down to the visitor center that is a if you're a runner or you enjoy just going out for a morning walk, it's a paved trail. I went out to watch the sunrise onto the Watchmen. And that was just such a wonderful experience because it was really quiet. It was about 730 in the morning. It's um about a two mile, two to two and a half miles, I think, from the third stop at Canyon Junction to take the Parus Trail yeah. All the way to the visitor center. The Watchman is sort of the the typical sunset view of, of Zion. Yeah. It's a it's sort of the famous sunset photography spot. Absolutely. And to watch the sun rising and coming up into the canyon and to start illuminating that mountain was just a really enjoyable way to start your day. I would absolutely highly recommend it to anyone. One more trail that I want to mention that we did that I don't know that anybody else does. <laughs> we, we didn't see anybody on it uh, when we went it, when we took it the first time. And then I took it again at the end of our trip and there was nobody on it then. And it's called the archeology span trail. And what they make it sound like in the guide is that you're going to go see a couple little archeology span sites, which are not very much a big deal. And that's, that's true. Uh, but you are going up on top of this bluff. It's it's not so pretty getting up there because you're going past all the parked buses and stuff like that. But once you get up there, it's an incredible view of Zion Canyon. And then you can look the other way and you can see the town of Springdale. And I, I think it was one of the best views we had the entire time we were there. It's a rugged trail. It goes straight up for the most part. It's not an accessible trail but at all. But it's short. But it's very short. It's a quarter mile there and a quarter mile back. And what it does is it takes you up to a mesa, essentially, where there was an ancient Puebloan, what they believe to be like a food storage building. And you can see some of the ruins from that. And it's very simple. There's not a lot of fanfare. But what was really cool about that hike for us was that Ethan was really into it and he started pretending that he was an archaeologist and we discussed the ways of how would you have been able to tell that this could have potentially been a site of the ancient Puebloans. And in regards to sort of engaging one of our children with the living space of Zion, that was that short little trail really triggered something for Ethan. He had a great time on it. Yeah. If you're not a hiker, 
there um, a lot of these hikes, like we said, are are little short walks to interesting things. And and you can this is one of the best parks if you're not a hiker, because all these stops on the shuttle, you just can just get off and you can go see something nearby. You can go down by the river and the shuttle takes you to a lot of beautiful views just on their own. It's a it's a beautiful ride the whole way. It's 40 minutes to the back of the canyon and then 40 minutes back. There's also a scenic drive that you can take up through the this this takes you to the east entrance of the park on the Zion Mount Carmel Highway through a tunnel that was built in I think 1923 sometime in the 1920s I'm yeah. sorry I don't remember It's it's a crazy weird tunnel it's a marvel of its time cut through the mountain with these little cutouts that you can sort of see as you're driving through a little bit of the scenery. Otherwise it would be pitch black <laughs> right. in there. It's a there's little no over, light in there. <laughs> no, there's no light. And it's a little over a mile long. I think it's like 1.1 or 1.2 miles. And the kids loved it. They did. The kids loved it. It was a lot of fun because we didn't come in through the east entrance. You can come into Zion in two ways. We opted not to do the east entrance in the tunnel because we had the bus and we were pulling. So we came in through the south entrance so to go through that tunnel and to take this drive, and I highly recommend this drive because you can see the checkerboard mesa, which is another sort of famous image from Zion. But what is so interesting is when you come out of that tunnel heading towards the east entrance, the whole landscape just starts to change. It's totally different. It's a totally different park. And in typical Epperson fashion, we didn't do it until the day before we were going to leave. And I looked at Jason and I said, I really wish we had more time because I want to come over here and hike. There are some trails over there and I guarantee you they will not be as busy as what's going on in the canyon. The problem is there is no, par there's very little parking yeah, over there. There's no so parking. you, you have to get there very early and the, the, the little parking lot there is right, right outside the tunnel is compact cars only. Uh, and there are a couple other little spots to park and there are pull-offs and it's just a beautiful drive. It's, it's really a stunning, stunning drive. And if you are coming from the East, I, I can imagine entering Zion this way. You get to see all of this crazy windswept rock and then you go through the tunnel and it opens up to these giant cliff faces because driving back, we sort of experienced that, but we'd already seen it all before. I imagine seeing that for your first time would be just a, a stunning way to enter the park for the first time. Yeah. So if you can do the east entrance, if you feel comfortable with your RV, because something to note about the tunnel is that there are height restrictions. And width. And width. Almost every RV will need to have a tunnel escort and you have to pay $15 to have the tunnel escort and it's good for two trips within seven days and essentially what they do is close down the tunnel so you can drive down the middle of it yeah so it, it it's any i think it's any vehicle over 12 foot tall or seven foot six wide and most rvs are eight foot wide but i would say that if you have never been to zion before and you can do the east entrance and you feel comfortable doing that that view when you come out of the tunnel and you see the zion canyon and you look down into it, especially if you're coming in in the late afternoon, it is just glorious. It is 
an image that will burn into your brain for the rest of your life. It's spectacular. It truly is. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about all the practicalities for visiting Zion, where to stay, how to book it, where to get coffee, (laughs) all that sort of good stuff. We'll be right back. All right, we're back with part two of our Zion episode. The Zion breakdown. (laughs) And Zion is, it can be a difficult place to visit because it is one of the very most, it's the third most popular national park in the United States. And being the third most popular national park, it doesn't have a lot of resources for that many people. No, it doesn't. It's interesting because we stayed in the National Park campground. I cannot imagine camping outside of Zion. Yeah. It, I wouldn't do it. I couldn't deal. It would be difficult. It would be very difficult. And hats off to anyone who wants to or enjoys doing it because the crowd factor alone of just trying to get into the park, trying to drive through Springdale, find parking, deal with all of that. That can be this time of year, and this is April, that can be just two to three hours of your day making that happen. So this is this is sort of what happened back in the year 2000. They stopped access to cars going down the the drive up the, the middle of Zion Canyon. Right. You used to be able to drive your car all the way back there. I can't believe that. I cannot wrap my head around that. And it was a zoo. They have pictures of it in the park. And it, it was a, it was a disaster because the park was getting so popular. So what they did was they shut down that road starting at stop three Canyon Junction, which is where you turn off to take that tunnel to the east entrance. So you cannot drive a car past that area unless you're staying at the lodge. And they have these shuttle buses that you get that you can get on at the park entrance. So you can go in, you park, and then you take the shuttle bus in the park. And I will say the whole experience feels a little theme parky. You know, it it's you're parking, you're getting on a shuttle bus, and you're going to see the sights. And on the shuttle bus, there's a recorded voice that's telling you things about the different stops and it's the same recording every time that you get on the shuttle bus and there's tons of people and they're all going to say, look at the same things and take it, take the photos of them. It's still a wonderful place, but you should just know, like we talked about before, it's not really, at least the Zion Canyon area is not really a getaway sort of being one with nature type place. No, I imagine that the backcountry options, and if you were to head over to Kolob Canyon, which is about an hour from Zion Canyon, it's a part of Zion National Park. And we had been, it had been suggested to us by a ranger that we should head over there if we're looking for something a little bit quieter. I imagine all of that is spectacular and offers plenty of time to be one with nature. Zion Canyon offers plenty of time for you to be one with your neighbor. Right. And that is fantastic. And we had a great time. But a lot of these, what they call trails 
along the canyon, they are like Jason said, you climb four or 500 feet up to a natural wonder or a spectacular view of Court of the Patriarchs. With a lot of your closest friends. With a lot of your closest (laughs) friends. And you all snap some photos with your iPhones and then you come back down and you get back on the shuttle. So it does feel like a theme park or it feels different if you have spent a lot of time in national parks and you kind of know what that feeling is. You're not going to feel that at certain points in Zion. There were definitely times, like I said, when I went for that run at 730 in the morning, I definitely felt peace and quiet in that space. And it was wonderful. If you like to get up early, you probably could do that as well. So they built this visitor center, which is the first shuttle stop. And they also, the there are two campgrounds right there. There's the Watchman campground, which we stayed at, which is the one that has uh, a large portion of hookup sites. Some of them are not. And then there's the South campground, which is a no hookup campground. And we'll talk about those in a minute. And, and then from the park entrance there, there is also another shuttle that goes the opposite direction up the town of Springdale. So Springdale also is sort of a one road town. So you're on this road from through Springdale all the way up into Zion. It's really the only road. So if you don't get into the park in time, the parking lot fills and you have to then park in the town of Springdale get on the Springdale shuttle bus and that will take you into the park. And then you get on the park shuttle bus and take that in. And it will cost you $20 to park in the town of Springdale. And you may have to park quite a ways away. Yeah. So it looks like the town of Springdale has been making a lot of parking improvements. There has been, a there was a lot of construction going on. There was actually on. a lot that opened while we were there. Yeah. In time for national park week. In time for the free day on Saturday, April 21st, we noticed that there's a lot of new meter boxes going in. And I would say that the meter boxes probably extended 10, 12 miles. Quite a bit. I mean, really after the town. Yeah, after the town ended. And so one thing that was suggested, and I think this is a really great suggestion, if you are driving in and you figure you're going to have to park in Springdale, Park at the last stop. I think there's nine stops, just mm-hmm. like the canon, canyon. Park at stop nine and get on the shuttle at stop nine. If you try to park up by stop one, two, three, or four, and you luck out and you get a spot, you may not get a spot on the shuttle when it comes by. And you may be walking into the walk-in entrance for Zion because the shuttles get full and they start filling up at the very last stop. And so I think it's a great option. Park at the last stop if you can. Get on because you're assured a seat on the shuttle and just sit back and relax and take that on up into the walk-in entrance at Zion. So camping options outside of the park are going to require you to drive to one of these spots, either try to drive into the park or drive to one of these parking spots in the town and get on the shuttle. So, and you don't know if that parking lot is full or not. When we were there and this not being a busy time of the year, it was usually full by like 10, 1030. I do believe that Zion actually tweets yeah, when the park do. is full. So if you're going and you're on Twitter, follow Zion NPS and they will put out like 9 a.m. parking lot, two thirds full. And 
I noticed several times there were tweets at 1030 in the morning that was all parking in the park completely gone. Yeah. And there are RV spots in there, but the RV spots, of course, are even less. And uh, and I, I don't even know that I would try. So for those reasons, I think it is utterly essential <laughs> to visit Zion that you try to get a camping spot in the park. Or you stay in the lodge or, or you stay or, in that nice hotel looking lodge that was also attached to the walk in. of. Yeah, the there park. are some lodges in the Springdale area. So if you're not an RV or if you have a class B or something, you could stay at one of those sort of places. But it, there's also some BLM land that is outside of the town of Springdale. Quite a ways outside it's, the it's town. A, it's a waste, but it's, you know, it's it's probably 20 minutes into the park. If there were no traffic and it's free, but it it's not worth it. It's not worth it being free if you had the yeah. chance to stay in the park campground because you're going to end up paying that $20 to park in town a night anyway. Yeah, I said to Jason numerous times while we were there just watching the crowds and watching people come in and out and how busy the South Gate entrance was that we would not come here if we weren't staying in the campground. Yeah. The nice thing about that outside of just leave the crowds aside and let's pretend like there aren't even crowds and issues. What is so fantastic about staying in the park is that everything is right there. You don't have to leave. You can show up, park your car, park your RV, and you don't have to move either one of those things for the rest of the time you're there. We stayed in loop B of the Watchman campground. We were able to walk to the visitor center maybe not even a 10 minute walk, jump on the shuttle and go to where we wanted to go. We were able to walk out the walk-in entrance to Zion and have access to this really cute little mountain town of Springdale. There was a fantastic coffee shop called Zion Perks just right outside the park. I walked over there several times during our time there and got a cup of coffee in the morning. There's the Zion Brewery restaurant that's right there by that walk-in entrance. So you can kind of just get there and then have everything you need minus a grocery store. Yeah, there's like a little convenience type grocery store, but everything's super expensive. It's called the Happy Camper Market. And it was a package of hot dogs was $7.99. But... You, If you're staying in the park, you have a parking space for your car and you can drive out and go into another town and go find a grocery store. Yeah, you'll have you to drive to. all the way down to Hurricane. Yeah. And that's going to take you about 45 hour. minutes. Yeah, 45 minutes. So another tip, and I mean, I think we all do this to begin with anyway, but really before you get into Zion, before you get into Springdale, have done your grocery shopping yeah. and have everything that you need. And, so you And have, gas up. <laughs> gas up. So you have no reason to leave. We really had no reason to leave. And I loved that. I loved the fact that we could just get there and everything we needed. It is. It's like a theme park. You get to Disney World and you don't have to leave Disney World. Right. You don't have to leave Zion. Of course, the problem is the campground, the Watchman campground that we stayed in books up six months in advance. It books solid. We were able to snag some random 
one night spots. I don't know how we did this. I don't know how this worked out for us. And we kept checking and different ones would open up. So we were able to add on. We were originally only going to be there four days. We ended up being there six days. And I don't know that we would have been that lucky in the summer, in the height of summer to be able to get those spots. I, I think being in April, we were able to do it. But the problem being is that obviously we had to site jump. Yeah, we were at B2, B9, B11, B59, and B58. And it doesn't sound like that big of a deal to site jump, especially if you're in a small rig or something like that. The problem in a place like this is checkout time is 11 o'clock, and that's also check-in time. You kind of play this game where everybody is waiting in the line for the person who's just not paying attention to do their site hop. So the next person can hop to their site. So the next it's like a domino effect is the domino effect when somebody is late checking out and it sort of it, it, you know, when you want to go out and explore the park, you're stuck at the campground in the middle of the day. Yeah. And I will say all the sites were great. They're all very it's spacious. An excellent park. Everything seems fairly new. Yeah. And the bathhouses are all brand new. There's the, no, showers. no showers. Throw that out right now. Like there are no showers at Zion. You can go and get a shower from the Zion Outfitters. Which is not bad. It's a short little walk over there. It's yeah. It's, and they're very clean showers. They well. Well, they're very the modern showers. Yours yeah. wasn't super clean because women like to, you know, put their hair on the wall for some reason. Let's not talk about that here, but it is $4 for five minutes. Yeah. Jason, I, which I could do. Which Jason could do. <laughs> I finished fine with about two seconds to spare. And that was fine. At least I got it out and didn't have soap in my hair. You can also do laundry over there. It's going to be $4 for a wash, $2.50 for a dry. We did one load while we were there. There's a lot of ways you can make it work to make up for the fact if you wanted to stay the two weeks and you had laundry to deal with or the the bathhouse issue to deal with and you didn't want to be showering in your rig the whole time. So I will say of the sites that we stayed at, I'll point out the ones I think that were my favorites. And that would be B58 and B11. Those are really great sites. Yeah, Those are really if great you can sites. you snag them, do. We met a full-time family that pulled into B3, which was right next to us when we were at B2. And their site is, B3 is awesome as well. It's huge. It's a huge site right next to this amazing tree that the kids were able to all go and play in. And fantastic site. But really, all the sites are very nice. They're all fairly close to a, a bathhouse. Mm-hmm. They're they're plenty of bathhouses and they all sort of have some sort of either they're by the river or they're underneath the watchman or or they just have a little bit of extra trees it there it's a beautiful campground it's a, it's a really well laid out campground too so a has undergone a rehab it seems like recently and i know that they're so this is something to note they are closing the b loop in october or I think it's October for an indefinite amount of time. And we think they're going to be rehabbing the B loop as well and doing what they've done with A, which is they've laid down that really fine red pebble gravel and all of the railing looks new. And I think there's some newer picnic tables in there. So 
I don't know if they're just going to be going like one by one each camp. And I don't loop. really know why. I mean, it's it's good as it is. The the, the park really doesn't need any work. No, I mean, it's a visual thing. The red is really visually stunning, like to look at in the campground. It just, I think that's really all it's about. It's such a good deal, you know, to be able to park in a campground with hookups. There's no sewer, of course, but there's electricity and then you can get water at the dump station or the different bathhouses also have a spigot and they also have dishwashing stations at, at the bathhouses. If you're tent camping or if you, you know, just don't want to use your water, but it, it's such a good deal. This, this is the type of campground that might be private at some of the other national parks. It might cost you $50 a night. Yeah. I think that that's the real selling point is that this is an affordable campground for anyone. And it's 30 a night. The other campground, the South campground has just reopened from some maintenance that they've done and they have done a new thing with this campground that is in hopes to help you be able to get a site now this this campground is no hookups so mostly what you see over there is tents but there are are, rvs can park in this campground the south campground is only available for reservation in two-week windows so it will open up today for reservations beginning two weeks from now. You don't have to necessarily book six months in advance. You can sort of short term find a spot that way. I wish they would do that with one of the electric loops. Yeah. It would be nice for those of us who do need to have hookups to have that option as well, because not all of us are on our game six months before we want to go on vacation. Yeah. But the South Campground is very nice as well. It is not quite as modern as the Watchman Campground, but it is right along the river. It's accessing the same visitor center and the same trails and and everything. So it's a it's a great place to say. So overall, our big recommendation is if you can get a site in Zion National Park, definitely that is the way to go. The other thing I want to mention about getting around Zion is bikes are a really great way. Do you can go on that road on a bike? And it's a long, it's a long way. It's so, eighteen miles from the visitor center yeah, to stop nine. But you can the the route that the trams take, you can take bikes down. But what I do want to point out is that they do not allow electric bikes in Zion National Park, which I don't know how crazy I am about because I think electric bikes are awesome. I think it's a super energy efficient way for people to travel around. And I know a lot of RVers have them, especially people that can't really pedal long distances. uh, Maybe have some mobility challenges. But you won't be able to take your electric bike up the road to these stops and, you know, and lock it up at some of the at some of the bike racks. You can't have it in the park at all. Yeah. If you bring your electric bike with you, it will have to stay. Yeah. You just can't. You can't ride it. Yeah. They also don't allow skateboards as well which is fairly common at national parks, but just so you know. And no pets on the trails at all. There's only one trail that allows pets, and that's the Parus Trail, which is goes along the river from the campground, as we said earlier, up to that canyon junction. And the rest of the trails do not allow pets. And that's fairly common in national parks. And I know a lot of people uh, are not fans of that, but that's the way it is here as well. All right. So I feel like we have really covered Zion 
and then covered it again. <laughs> we have. Let's wrap this episode up with a brain teaser. What falls but never breaks? What breaks but never falls? They are closely related, but never there at the same time. We'll have the answer to that and so much more on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. That left me speechless. Mm. I was trying really hard to figure it out. (laughs) All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, if you're enjoying the podcast, we would appreciate a five-star review on Apple Podcast or a share across your social media. That would be fantastic as well. If you have any suggestions for future podcasts, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at editor at rvmiles.com. And until next week, everyone, keep logging those RV miles and we'll see you later. Bye.